Good morning, Covenant Network. Happy Monday to you. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on this Monday morning. It's good to be with you today. This morning, uh, for reasons I'll go into after we pray, I would like to once again pray with you our litany of the most precious blood of Jesus after we pray our morning offering together. So we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, hear us. Jesus, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Blood of Christ, only begotten Son of the Eternal Father, save us. Blood of Christ, incarnate Word of God, save us. Blood of Christ of the New and Eternal Testament, save us. Blood of Christ, falling upon the earth in the agony, save us. Blood of Christ, shed profusely in the scourging, save us. Blood of Christ, flowing forth in the crowning with thorns, save us. Blood of Christ, poured out on the cross, save us. Blood of Christ, price of our salvation, save us. Blood of Christ, without which there is no forgiveness, save us. Blood of Christ, Eucharistic drink and refreshment of souls, save us. Blood of Christ, stream of mercy, save us. Blood of Christ, victor over demons, save us. Blood of Christ, courage of martyrs, save us. Blood of Christ, strength of confessors, save us. Blood of Christ, bringing forth virgins, save us. Blood of Christ, help of those in peril, save us. Blood of Christ, relief of the burdened, save us. Blood of Christ, solace in sorrow, save us. Blood of Christ, hope of the penitent, save us. Blood of Christ, consolation of the dying, save us. Blood of Christ, peace and tenderness of hearts, save us. Blood of Christ, pledge of eternal life, save us. Blood of Christ, freeing souls from purgatory, save us. Blood of Christ, most worthy of all glory and honor, save us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, O Lord. You have redeemed us, O Lord, in your blood and made for us and made us for our God a kingdom. Let us pray, Almighty and eternal God, you have appointed your only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and willed to be appeased by his blood. Grant, we beg of you, that we may worthily adore this price of our salvation and through its power be safeguarded from the evils of the present life so that we may rejoice in its fruits forever in heaven through the same 
Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as I said at the top of the show here, it's very good to be back with you on this Monday morning, and I'm happy to be with you. But I have to admit, I'm a little weary this Monday morning. I don't know if you are as well, but it's one of those weekends. It was one of those weekends where, you know, first off, I just want to say that I love my wife dearly. But anyone who's married will tell you that there are times when marriage is tough. And we're fine. We're going to be fine. You know, I don't want anyone to worry or, or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm reminded of something someone once said to me, that sometimes marriage is like being rocks in a rock tumbler. I don't know if you know anything about uh, rock tumbling. I only know a little bit because my son's into this. But you put these unpolished, unfinished, jagged rocks that really don't look all that great into this tumbler with a slurry of, of water and uh, just like sandpaper has grit, there's sand or some other kind of powder that you put in there and it's a different grit and then you tumble the rocks around. And as they tumble in the slurry, they start to smooth out. And then you drain the slurry and you put in new water and you put in a, a new grit of polishing sand and you do this again, and you do this again, until eventually you have these beautiful, smooth rocks that come out. Well, marriage is that sometimes. Marriage is life in the rock tumbler. And that's okay, because it should be. It should be. And that's been one of those weekends. But as I think about it, and I think about all of the assaults on marriage in our culture, and all of our missed priorities, it seems, in life. You, me, everyone that we say we're going to focus on this and not on that, or we're going to focus on that and not on this. As Patty Schneier put it last week in the Daily Dose of Encouragement, we're making mountains out of molehills and molehills out of mountains. And uh, sometimes that makes it really tough to stick in there. You know, why bother? If all the stuff that I thought was so important isn't important anymore, why bother? And if all the stuff that I thought was not important is all of a sudden the most important stuff in the world. Why bother if I've got this all wrong? Well, why bother? Because I want to get to heaven and I want my wife to get to heaven and I want our kids to get to heaven. And despite the confusion, sometimes we just have to put our heads down, stick to the basics and move forward. Speaking of which, we can't do that without the Eucharist. And John Martinoni on Martinoni Monday today is going to help us look at some of the scriptures related to the Eucharist. And then later on, Doug Berry is going to be back with us this week. Last week, we told you about all of the Marian apparitions of the past hundred years admonishing us to pray the rosary. This week, we're going to talk about tips for praying the rosary. And then finally, over the weekend, we celebrated the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And perhaps you saw someone wearing a brown scapular or you've seen the brown scapular before, but what is it? Well, we're going to go to school with Father Kirby today and we're going to learn about that. Um, I'm, I'm excited because I'll tell you right now, I don't wear a brown scapular. It's because I don't know much about it. And well, I want to learn. So all of that on the show today. But before we can get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts now for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Emilanus, who was a martyr, and St. Camillus. Born in northern Italy in 1550, his father was an officer and away most of his life. His mother, who was 50 years old when Camillus was born, died when he was still a child. As he grew up, Camillus was moody and prone to outbursts. Too much for anyone in the family to handle, he was allowed to join the Venetian army at 16 and went to war against the Turks. 
during one battle, his leg was seriously wounded and he never fully recovered. In addition, Camillus developed a serious problem with gambling and lost everything he ever had. Desperate to earn a living, he found work at a Capuchin friary, and it was there he had a conversion of heart. Camillus tried to enter the novitiate, but because of his leg wound, he was denied. He went to a hospital in Rome for treatment, but while there also began to look after other patients and was such an effective caregiver, he eventually was made superintendent. A friend, St. Philip Neri, encouraged Camillus to try again to become a priest. At last, he was accepted and ordained at the age of 34. He decided to start a new order, which came to be called the Chameleons. Camillus was an innovator dedicated to caring for the sick. He was also concerned about the cleanliness and order of his hospital. He and his men were the first to take field ambulances into war to treat the wounded, wearing large red crosses on their cassocks, which they still wear today. They were also fearless in attending to the victims of the plague. Pope Gregory XV based this new order in Rome. During the plague there, it is said Camillus performed miraculous healings and the chameleons were credited with bringing an end to the plague. Throughout his life, Camillus suffered greatly from his leg wound. When he reached the point where he could no longer walk to see his patients, he crawled. When he died in 1614, he was widely referred to as the Saint of Rome. Saint Camillus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Catequiz question for you today. And here is our question. It's a true or false question today. True or false? Every Mass is the same sacrifice as the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. True or false? Every Mass is the same sacrifice as the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And the answer is true. Uh, it's one of those great mysteries that I love. You know, we are not re-sacrificing our Lord. He's not being crucified Again, crucified once and for all, uh, but just once. And yet he gives us the means through his sacramental presence to offer that sacrifice at each and every Mass through the priest. You have to have the priest. You know, I can't offer that sacrifice. Only the, only the priest can. But he gave the church the means. And so, you know, this morning before we went to the uh, weather there, I was telling you about how I'm weary this weekend. And I think sometimes when we get weary, why? Well, it's because of the effects of sin in our lives. I, I sin, you sin, we all sin. There's original sin. There's, there's all of these things. And uh, the effect of sin is that sometimes life is going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. And yet what does our Lord say in the scriptures? Come unto me, all you who are burdened and who are weary, and I will give you rest. Right? I will give you rest. We're, we're made for something more than weariness. We're made for something more than sorrow. Uh, but as we often say, walking through this life means we're going to walk by the way of the cross if we want to go to heaven. And that's okay. Because what conquers sin? Well, not Adam Wright and not you, but the blood of our Lord poured out on the cross. And the fact that our Lord offers himself body, blood, soul, and divinity for our redemption, to pay a debt that we couldn't pay. How beautiful is that? How wonderful 
a thing as that. So I am grateful, even though I'm weary this morning, I am grateful that this month we can pray devoted to the precious blood of our Lord, praying that litany, knowing that if we stick close to God, if we stick close to God, we choose him over sin, we freely accept his grace, we make use of the sacraments, the Holy Eucharist, reconciliation, we pray our rosary that, you know, sin's not going to have the last word and weariness won't have the last word because we are children of God and he loves us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, John Martinoni will be joining us to talk about the Eucharist as well and some of the scriptural things we need to know. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer for the Gift of Prudence Jesus, artful master of parables, your prudence eluded the hypocrites. Your actions were known before creation, displaying all the wisdom of your prudence. Eternity must have attended to minutia. Being prudent in your best interest, you considered all potential consequences, securing the outcome of your earthly life. Grant me the prudence to always be cautious and sensitive to the basic needs of others. Jesus, you have shown great foresight. Prudence truly originates from your being. Amen. It's time for another Martinoni Monday, as we like to say here on Roadmap to Heaven. It's always a joy to speak with John Martinoni and get the truth about what Scripture says. John, how are you today? Doing just fine, Adam. How about yourself? I am doing well. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things today as we enter this three-year period of Eucharistic revival. We're going to talk about John chapter 6. So where are we going today with this, John? Well, what we're going to do is uh, John 6.51. And in John 6.51, what it says, a lot of people know about John 6.52, 3, 4, where Jesus says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, and, and so forth and so on. And, and Catholics say, see, he's, he's talking about the Eucharist here. And most Protestants, if not all Protestants, will say, no, Jesus is speaking symbolically. <clears throat> Excuse me, because he says, you know, in, in verse uh, 63 of John 6, he says, It is the Spirit that gives life, the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. See, he's speaking spiritually or symbolically. Well, the first thing I always say to people, I say, well, is it the Father, Son, and Holy symbolic? Uh, does, does the word spirit mean symbolic? I said, no, it doesn't. It, nowhere in Scripture does the word spirit mean symbolic. But even beyond that, before Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and all that, my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink, and so forth, in John six fifty one, he says this, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, Adam, let me ask you, when did Jesus give his flesh for the life of the world? Well, he did that on the cross. On the cross, right. So, Jesus says, let, let's put that into the verse, uh, Jesus says, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh which I gave on the cross. Okay, that's essentially what he's saying. So I, then I ask people, I say, okay, so was the flesh that Jesus gave on the cross real or symbolic? Was the blood that Jesus bled on the cross real or symbolic? 
Because if you say that Jesus is speaking symbolically in John 6, 52, 3, 4, 5, etc., then you also have to say that his flesh on the cross was symbolic because the bread he wants us to eat is the flesh that he will give for the life of the world, and that flesh was real. It was the real flesh hanging on the cross. It was the real blood being spilled on the cross, being shed on the cross. So either John six fifty one through 58 is speaking of Jesus' real flesh and his real blood, or if you say it, he's speaking symbolically about eating his flesh and eating and drinking his blood, then you have to say it was only his symbolic flesh that was hanging on the cross and his symbolic blood that was spilled on the cross. You can't have it both ways. No, you can't. And uh, I know for a fact, John, that it was his real body, his real flesh and blood hanging on the cross, and I believe with all my heart that it is his body, blood, soul, and divinity present in the Holy Eucharist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is I have used those two questions. First question, you know, John six fifty one. when did Jesus give his flesh for the life of the world? Every single Protestant, Evangelical, Baptist, etc., I've asked says, on the cross. And then I'll say, was the flesh on the cross real, or was it symbolic? And they just sort of stare at me, <laughs> because they know, they know the first thought through their head is it was real, but then they also realize, well, then how can I say in the next verse or two or three that he's speaking about his symbolic flesh? It just does not work. It doesn't. Well, John, I want to thank you for this clarity today. It's always good to have something to help edify us as we defend the truth of the our Lord's presence in the Holy Eucharist, and this is just another scriptural tool we have now in our toolbox, thanks to your clarity. Friends, uh, we want to thank John Martinoni for being with us today, president and founder of the Bible Christian Society. You can always find out more about scripture and what we believe by visiting BibleChristianSociety.com. We're going to take a break. We will be back in just a few moments. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Last week we were speaking with Doug Barry about Marian apparitions of the past 100 years. The key takeaway from last week was pray your rosary each and every day. So this week, Doug and I thought we would talk about not just why that's so important, but how to actually do that for those who might not be praying that daily rosary, how do you get into the swing of that? And Doug, first off, it's very good to be with you today, but I got to tell you, my love for the rosary came to me from my grandmother. I mean, she prayed it faithfully every day, and I still can see her sitting in her recliner next to her little table and her lamp with her green stone rosary <laughs> that she prayed every day. Yep, and a lot yep. of people say, well, that was your grandma's prayer, Adam. Your prayer's new, but that's not the case today. 
No, it isn't. I mean, the first thing I think you got to think about when the, with regards to the rosary for a lot of people is we just simply need an attitude adjustment on what the rosary is. Uh, it's a similar story for me, not so much my grandma, but uh, my mom, when I was a teenager, she'd sit on the patio at night, or excuse me, during the day, It'd be during day patio. She's got her feet in, in the sprinkler, you know, going on her feet. She's just burning up hot and she's praying a rosary. I thought it seemed like an odd place to pray the rosary, but okay. Hey, Doug, she'd say to me as I'm running out to go hang out with my friends at 15, 16 years old, you want to pray the rosary with me? Uh, thanks, mom, but uh, I got other things I think I'd rather do, you know? So yeah, it's a grandma prayer. It's a mom prayer. It's, it's another generation of prayer. You know, we have that drawer, I would say, too. Everybody's got that drawer at home, you know, when your grandma gives you something religious, a religious card, prayer book, rosary, and what do you do with it? you know, a scapular, you open the door and you put it in the drawer, you know, because you you don't want to do anything bad with it because it was a gift and it's religious, but you don't really want to engage in it. And so we have this kind of attitude about the rosary as something that is grandma's prayer, it's mom's prayer, it's what, you know, old ladies do before, you know, mass, you know, it's the, it's, they go to adoration and they just pray the rosary and that's good for them, but that's not necessary for me. So as with anything in life, I think the first thing we have to do is realize that if our attitude does not change on something, especially that's really, really good for us, and as we talked about last week about all the Marian apparitions where Our Lady has said that the rosary is such a powerful way to help avert war, bring peace to the world, bring order to your own personal life, we would be foolish. I mean, foolish to ignore those messages and foolish to not look at adjusting our attitude so we can really start diving into what the rosary is and what we should be doing as we should be you know, stepping up towards engaging and adopting it as a really intricate part of our lives. You know, it makes me think of when our oldest was born that up to that point in my life, I had never been the one to change the diapers. But if I would have kept going with that philosophy of, oh, hey, I'm not the guy that changes the diapers. <laughs> that would have gone off the rails very quickly. So yeah. there are things in life we may not see why we have to do them, but we have to do them. And as we articulated last week, it, it is very clear why the Blessed Mother says we need to pray the rosary daily. So uh, as they like to say, check yourself. It, it's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. There are many things in life that we don't want to do. We don't think they're necessary. They're just not our thing to do, but they still have to be done. And everybody's going to run into that no matter what it is in your life. This is one of those spiritual pieces that is not just spiritual because it brings a physical, natural response too. And then we'll break this down more throughout the week. But really, when we pray the rosary, it doesn't just change the spiritual aspect of where we are with things. It actually affects us physically. This has been something that has been studied that some form of, they call it meditation. Now, as Catholics, we have to understand, we make very clear, there's a lot of meditation out there that's bad, very unholy. Yoga, for example, and other things out there that are not good. They're not holy. They're destructive. But we're talking about meditation of God, meditation of, of Catholic theology, Catholic thought, Catholic meditation. That has been found to be the most productive form of putting your mind in a relaxed way of just thinking and pondering life. You can sit there and sit out in nature and just look at the trees and just meditate on nature. Okay, that's great. Fine. Okay. Good looking trees, nice lake, beautiful river. Okay. But when you bring God into this through prayer, especially the rosary, all of that elevates to a whole nother level. They've studied this the way the rosary can actually help heal the brain physically. It redirects paths. It changes chemical makeup. Praying the rosary, the 15 to 20 minutes is something, the repetition of the prayer, 
the repetition of the Hail Marys, all of this actually has a physical effect that is very, very positive to the human body. So we need to change the attitude about what the rosary is. It's not just grandma's prayer. It's not just an ancient prayer for the old generations. It is a current, always current, always, always current way to grow deeply spiritually and deeply, even physically, put yourself in a better way of life. All right. Well, if you're saying to yourself, I want to start praying the rosary every day, but I don't know where to begin or how to get into that habit. Well, stick with us this week. Doug and I are going to be breaking that down for you. Doug, thanks for this uh, first attitude adjustment today. That's it. Awesome, Adam. Thank you. A prayer for greater love of Jesus. Oh, my Jesus, thou knowest well that I love thee, but I do not love thee enough. Oh, grant that I may love thee more. O love that burnest ever and never failest, my God, thou who art charity itself, enkindle in my heart that divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into thee. Amen. May the sacred heart of Jesus be loved in every place. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And I'm not shy about saying that when we have interviews here on the show, I often try to put myself in your shoes and ask the questions you would want to ask and learn the things that you would want to learn. And today is one of those days that I'm right there with you. I have a feeling that most of us have heard of the brown scapular. We probably all have friends and loved ones who wear the brown scapular. And I'm going to admit, I'm not among them because I don't like to do things without knowing what I'm doing. I feel like it's an empty gesture. Now, I could use that as an excuse not to learn and not to move forward. But instead, I said, you know, no, enough is enough. I need to learn about the brown scapular because this is important. And so we're going to turn to our good friend, Father Jeffrey Kirby, who's with us on the phone today to talk about the brown scapular. Father Kirby, it's good to have you with us. I'm ready to go to school here. So, you know, what is the brown scapular and and why is this so important for us? Yeah, so there is so much history and devotion and indulgences associated with the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. But let me just start maybe with this, is we wear the scapular as baptized Christians to remind us of our baptismal consecration. So if we are not baptized, or we don't have the graces of baptism, then the scapular is just an empty piece of cloth. It has no power, it can assist us in no way, it, it serves no transcendental or spiritual role in terms of our discipleship or in terms of growth in the spiritual life in the human family. So it reminds us of our baptismal consecration to Jesus Christ. And so when we think about the brown scapular, so it's, of course, two pieces of cloth. One is worn on the front, there's two strings, and then one is worn on the back. So it literally almost covers the upper portion of our body. So the idea being that we are carrying the yoke of Christ, that we are consecrated to Him, and we consecrate ourselves to Him through His Mother, through Our Lady, Our Mother, and then the Queen of Heaven, the Queen of the Kingdom of God. And so I think that just that awareness that the brown scapular reminds us of that consecration and the consecration to Jesus through Mary, that's the main part I, w- I want to stress. And I'll tell you, Adam, I've worn the scapular since I was in late high school. And, then, and oftentimes when I'm in the middle of something, if my scapular moves and if I'm not expecting it, it can catch me off guard or something because you've got these two, two pieces of wool, you know, floating around your upper body and so on. Oftentimes it'll catch me off guard and stuff. 
And I love that because it reminds me of the spontaneity of the grace of God. And I'm able that moment to just offer a quick prayer, say, Lord, I love you, or Lord, guide me in your way. And so the scapular is a sacramental, it's a spiritual gift given to us in order to assist us. Is it obligatory? Of course not. One could completely live out their baptismal consecration without the front scapular. But we're fallen, we're weak, we get distracted, we forget. And the scapular can be one opportunity for us, one means for us, to be reminded every day of that consecration to Jesus through Mary. I love that because, you know, we often talk on the show about the importance of having a crucifix, not just in your home, but a crucifix in your bedroom, and to have religious art and religious images throughout the home. Why? To keep us grounded, to keep us oriented. Uh, you said with us before that the Catechism says the way we live, or the way we pray is the way we live, and sometimes, you know, the inverse of that is also applicable. How we live is going to affect how we pray, and if we have these reminders to pray, if we have these reminders of our dependence upon God and where we we are at in the relationship. I mean, I don't think it's practical to say I'm only going to shop in grocery stores that have large crucifixes displayed on the wall because I can't think of a single one in my neighborhood that I would be able to shop at. But I can take this reminder, this very silent reminder with me everywhere I go if I start wearing the brown scapular. But then the next question is, Father, because I've heard it said that you are enrolled into wearing the brown scapular. So could I just go to the local religious goods store and and buy a scapular and, and put it on and start wearing it today? Or are there special things that I need to do before doing so? Yeah, so, so somewhere to just go and get a brown scapular, then they can put it on and, and begin to wear it, and then it serves as that spiritual reminder. But at some point, they will want to seek out a priest in order to be enrolled or invested in the brown scapular. And it has to be a priest. That authority has not yet been delegated to deacons, so it has to be a priest. And and honestly, the preference would be a Carmelite priest, because, of course, this devotion is entrusted to the Carmelite order, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. But in many places, including my own, we're not going to find a Carmelite priest, so any priest the Carmelite Order has delegated uh, that authority. So a priest basically says some prayers, he formally invests you, enrolls you in the brown scapular, and then he, he offers you a, a special blessing. The whole ceremony takes maybe three to five minutes. By the way, Adam, we have a full all-out scapular mass every feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. We invest, and then I offer the a devotional reinvestiture in the brown scapular. And every time we celebrate a sacrament, baptize a baby, or give a first holy communion, or if we have a, uh, an extraordinary confirmation when the bishop's not here, I always give the brown scapular at the end of those ceremonies, and I explain it. Like, no one loved or served our Lord better than Our Lady. And to carry and have her scapular on our very person as a reminder for us to constantly seek to love and serve the Lord and ask for Our Lady's intercession to help us is a tremendous gift, a, a great resource, a spiritual resource for us as Christians. So I... I this is good. I'm glad we're having this conversation because you're kind of new and asking questions about the brown scapular. And early on in my discipleship, late high school, I just was captivated by the scapular. And I, and I think in large part because it's an external reminder on my body, whereas all times our, our spiritual life can be more of the interior. And I find that very helpful. I will say this in a culture that seems obsessed with tattoos. This could be a nice alternative. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, that oftentimes people will get a tattoo because they want to share a story or recount a memory or a loved one or something. The brown scapular serves a similar purpose that 
we have this on our bodies. It's, it's, it's a living narrative. It's a powerful symbol of a consecration that we've been given. You know, Father, recently I had the opportunity to give a talk on grace, and I was focusing on actual grace, you know, th- those winds that we, as Frank Sheed would say, the wind that blows, much like wind blowing a, a boat or a sail, kind of nudging us. And I was thinking about this, that growing up, I don't know what, you know, what cartoons kids watch now, but we always had the ones that whenever there was a moral dilemma, you'd have the one angel appear over the, the character's shoulder, and then on the other side, you'd have the little devil, and the angel would be encouraging the, the character to do the good, and the devil encouraging the character to do the wrong thing. And I thought, well, that must be what it's like. And, and, and to this day, if I'm being perfectly honest, I have never actually seen an angel or a devil on either one of my shoulders, but I have felt <laughs> grace push me around. And in a way, it, it sounds like that's part of what the scapular is meant to do is just every time you, you said earlier, sometimes it'll shift and that wool will catch you off guard. It's just that reminder of, hey, you've committed yourself to doing good. You've committed yourself to growing closer to our Lord. And since this is all tied to Our Lady, I can't help but think of her words at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you to. Amen. And I think in the morning prayer, there's an option when the person is invested in the brown scapular. In their morning prayers, there's the option of kissing the scapular. So to your point, Adam, that this, the scapular shows is this, this constant reminder, this angelic uh, presence of sorts on our shoulder that is reminding us of our consecration to the Lord Jesus uh, through Mary. And, and and I love in my morning prayer skipping, of, of kissing the scapular and, and just knowing that throughout the day, whatever the Lord's providence will allow me to undergo, that the scapular is one reminder to me of the Lord's presence, of His uh, power and His grace in order to celebrate the good and persevere through the not-so-good. So I, I love the scapula, and I will say the fact that it's consecrated and dedicated to Our Lady of Mount Carmel, that you know, Mount Carmel is a powerful image in the Scriptures of prayer, of listening to God, waiting for God. So images of the prophet Elijah and Elisha come to mind. Yeah, I think of when Elijah is about to be taken up into paradise on the chariot of fire, Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah says, you don't know what you're asking, right? But he gives it, and then he drops his cloak. And as Elisha receives that double-fold spirit, he places the cloak of Elijah upon himself. Uh, after, of course, he slaps the Jordan, the Jordan River splits by the authority of Elisha, and he puts on the mantle of Elijah. Well, the scapular represents that cloak of Elijah, the cloak of Elisha, that that we have the prophetic spirit, that we have the presence of God, the power of God with us. And, and of course, St. Paul would tell us in the New Testament, put on Christ. Now, of course, he's speaking in terms of our soul and virtue and holiness, but the scapular is a nice, tangible reminder, as you really put it on, that we are to put on Christ. Well, Father Kirby, I want to thank you for this, because before this segment, the question was, why wear the brown scapular? But after hearing all of this, I think the question has now shifted to, why would I not wear the brown scapular? So so my homework, and, and listeners, your homework, if you want to where the brown scapular is. Number one, go get a brown scapular. And number two, find a priest that can enroll you and, and do the prayers and all of these things, which might take some work, but start today with it. And why hesitate? Why wait? What a great reminder to take with us everywhere we go. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my wedding ring right now, Father, and thinking I take that reminder of the covenant I have with my bride 
with me everywhere I go. Why wouldn't I want to take something that reminds me of the covenant that our Lord has made with us everywhere I go? Father, could uh, you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you continue to pour your Spirit upon us. We thank you for the wonderful gifts that you have bestowed upon us, uh, simple gifts, such as the scapula, in order to remind us constantly of your presence, the power that you have given to us. We ask that you continue to fill us with your Spirit. May we do all that you ask of us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We want to thank Father Kirby for being with us this morning. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Lord Jesus Christ, shepherd of souls, who called the apostles to be fishers of men, raise up new apostles in your holy church. Teach them that to serve you is to reign, to possess you is to possess all things. Kindle in the hearts of our people the fire of zeal for souls. Make them eager to spread your kingdom upon earth. Grant them courage to follow you who are the way, the truth, and the life, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Here we are in a new week and a new theme for our daily doses of encouragement. Patty Schneier is with us as always. Patty, what do you have for us today? Well, we're going to start a new topic this week, and this week I'm very excited. It is going to focus on children. This is going to be a kids' week, and I think it's very important for parents to have great resources for children in every Catholic home. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that we had in our home with raising our kids that we found very, very beneficial that bore great fruit, actually and trying to pass on the faith with them. So the first one today that I want to share is music. The music by Steve Green. And there were two CDs. Now, I know young families now don't have CD players. I still have these two CDs. They're called Hide Them in Your Heart by Steve Green. And these are scripture verses set to song, sung by children. And there's a ton of them, like over probably 40 of these songs and they'll be memorizing scripture verses as they're singing in the car or with you wherever you're going. We used to put these on in the car everywhere we went and I even do this now with my great niece and nephew when I'm picking them up and they're going to spend a day with me and I'll say, you want to listen to kids songs? And sure enough, they'll say, are we going to listen to kids songs? They know that in my car we listen to Hide Them in Your Heart by Steve Green. So today I'm going to sing two of them for you. Again, I love to memorize scripture through song and these are songs that my kids just knew by heart and that helped them to learn basic truths and I wanted them to know it so here's the first one it's Philippians 4 verse 13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me now the story behind that is the day that my oldest son father John Schneier learned to ride a bike He started pedaling. He's up at the school parking lot and he bursts into song singing that song. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he had heard it and he knew that it was God giving him the strength as he learned to ride a bike. So that's the first one. Again, Hide Him in Your Heart. I love that one. Another one that we sung a lot to our kids. It's on the Hide Him in Your Heart CDs by Steve Green was this one. It's Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise. When my kids were afraid in a storm, 
when my kids were afraid of whatever it was, we could just start singing. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. These are tools every parent needs in their toolbox for your kids. Hide them in your heart. It's a CD with great songs, scripture verses to music, sung by kids. They're fun. Get them. Well, we have our homework from Patty Schneier today. And don't forget, it's not just for us. This will benefit our children as well. Patty, thank you. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are back, and you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, July 18th. Tomorrow, an exciting day here on Roadmap to Heaven. Tomorrow is the All-Star Game for Major League Baseball, if I remember correctly, which I, yeah, I do. Uh, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central Time, or no, Eastern Time. I think. I know it's tomorrow. I'll stop guessing. But we're going to have a little All-Star fun here on Roadmap to Heaven. That's the point I'm trying to get to. We're going to be talking about a great Catholic ball player, Gil Hodges. We're going to learn about his life and uh I'm really looking forward to that. We're talking with Kevin O'Malley from Catholic Athletes for Christ tomorrow morning about Gil Hodges. And then Father John Schneier is going to join us as well. We're going to talk about some Catholic All-Stars. No, not baseball players, but just some All-Star Catholics, some that should be in our starting lineup on our radar screen as we live our spiritual lives. So tune in for that tomorrow. We'll also continue our conversation with Doug Berry on uh, tips for praying the rosary and how to overcome some obstacles. That's tomorrow. I want to thank you for tuning into today's show. I do want to thank Doug Berry, John Martinoni, and Father Kirby for being with us today. Be sure to catch the replay of this on the podcast a little bit later today. Like it, share it with some friends. You know, we'd be very, very grateful if wherever you get the Roadmap to Heaven podcast, if you click that subscribe or follow button so that you get notified whenever we post a new Roadmap to Heaven, we would be very, very grateful for that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, when you get weary, there's one thing I certainly recommend, and that's praying the rosary and meditating on all of the graces that God is trying to give you each and every day if you can have the grace to say yes to him. So for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.